This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, give them a give them a good hand. Praise the Lord. No place on the pulpit. God is good. How many of you are here in church this morning? Now, I appreciate storms. I know why they're there. They're there to steal, rob, and destroy. You need to understand, some people make their own storms. And uh, I, I, has anybody ever gone in a boat in the Pacific Ocean? And, uh, you know, I, I do that quite often, and I like it. I have a boat. And I learned young, as a young man, to see storms coming from a long way out. I've been fishing quite a lot of years, for about 50 years in the ocean, and had a boat for about the last 35, I'd guess. And um, so I'm, I am the captain of my own ship. And, and uh, I don't like to go out with people and pay them to, to be my captain. I like to learn how to get lost all on my own. And uh, I saw a storm coming in, uh, you know, probably 10 miles out. And a lot of times they come in a fog bank. So I saw the fog bank way out. And uh, I'm fishing with one of the guys from my church. And I said, we got to get out of here. Uh, you know, roll up the reels. Let's get out. What? We're catching yellowtail. Anybody ever caught a yellowtail? Yeah, we're catching yellowtail. And he goes, we, Pastor, what are you talking about? we got to go. I said, we got to go. we got to get out of here before the storm comes. As soon as the storm comes, we're not going to, you won't even be able to tell where you're at. And I uh, had the GPS turned off. Pastor Bernie asked me if I knew what a GPS was. I said, of course I do. It's a God positioning service. It's called the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And uh, I turned the GPS off and I turned the radar off on my boat. And I said, you know, I'm going to just go, we'll fish till, till it gets here. But I started. I pulled up the anchor, tired of taking off slow. Well, as soon as I pulled up my anchor and started taking off, all the other boats that were anywhere near me saw me going and followed me. They're smart. Uh, and so as we as we left, we were probably about a mile from where we were. I turned the motor off and I I stopped and I said, "Tell me which way to go," because the fog bank overtook us. You couldn't see two feet in front of you. It was a crystal clear day. Uh, fog comes in banks. A lot of people don't see it when it comes because it comes at night. And if you're out visiting us in San Diego, you might leave a meeting and wow, it's so foggy you can't hardly get home. It just happens because the the, the temperature variance on from from uh, the water to the land. And the Pacific, believe it or not, is a cold water ocean. So down in our area, it's a little bit warmer. But you need to understand storms. I also know storms out here. It's amazing that I know the desert fairly well, and I know to carry some saran wrap with me and make sure and saran wrap my windows if I see some sand coming. Hey, you guys all know that, right? You put saran wrap on your windows and your windows won't get pitted and you can go right through a sandstorm. Of course, your paint job is the worst for wear. But, but if you got to do it, how do you know? I lived part of my life in the desert. I love the desert. I lived in Arizona. I've also spent a lot of time in the Anzabrego Desert as a young kid running dune buggies, motorcycles, and quads or whatever else. Now, I know I don't look like it, but I really have. And, uh, and, and I love having fun, but storms are storms are something that a lot of us make all on our own. We make our own weather. And, uh, and, and so we can fix that. But then there's going to be storms come anyway. Because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Where would you find that at? If you were a good Bible college student, where would you tell me that was at? Huh? You got it, sir. John 10. 
I don't count any preachers in the front row. You should have known that. Hallelujah. I can't give you the credit, but the guy behind you got it. He said, John 10. You know, the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a, a strategy against you. What's your name, brother? Good to meet you, Rob. I love you. So glad you're here. So there's a strategy against you right now. The enemy knows your actions. He can't read your mind. He can't get in your spirit unless you invite him. But he knows exactly what you do. The Bible said to beware of the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. The wiles is the word strategy. So he's got a strategy working against you at all times. The enemy never takes a rest, unlike Christians. We do. We take rests where we don't read our Bible, we don't pray, we don't see God. I know you don't because this is High Desert Word Center. Hallelujah. But I'm just talking about my church right now, if that's all right. So don't get mad at me. We take rests and we don't understand that when we're resting, the enemy isn't. Now, I have my, my, my sons are, are ball players, and I taught them when they were about five years old. I said, see all these kids here? They'll be playing video games. They'll be inside. They won't be working hard. And I said, when they're resting, you're going to be practicing. We're going to learn how to work hard and practice hard. you got a talent. you got an ability. But until you work it, it won't work. The Word doesn't work unless you work the Word. So the Word's always there for us, but we have to work the Word anyway. Both of my sons end up at the top level of every sport they've ever played, which means that they had professional scouts watching them from the time they are like 10 years old because they got the ability it comes in our genes. My father was a, not my blue genes, but my genealogy. And uh, my father was a professional athlete. My uncle was a professional athlete. And uh, I was pretty good when I was young, and I knew they would have an ability. No, they didn't get it from their mom, but they could sure talk good. Hallelujah. I promise you they got that one. And uh, so we knew they had an ability. I had a guy next door neighbor. Now, when I grew up, soccer was not for boys in the United States. Girls played soccer when I grew up. I'm old. I'm sorry. Now soccer is like the most popular sport. And we love, does anybody here like soccer? It's really called football. Somebody say football. It's the real football. And uh, we love football. My kids are both really good soccer players. Both, actually one of them played in college and one of them played baseball. One of them played soccer. So both of them were quarterback on their high school football team. So they're, they're athletic. But just because you're athletic doesn't mean that you're going to ever succeed. You have to work with it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to win unless you work with what God gave you. Do you know that God doesn't use storms as teaching instruments? God doesn't use trials as teaching instruments. God's way is not to do that. His way, He has two things that He uses to teach you. He uses the Word of God and the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Say Word of God. Now you can learn, like I learned with my wife when she was pregnant. I was so happy with our first child. I said, honey, you look so good fat. It was not the right thing to say. And I meant, you know, you're showing, look at you, you look so good fat. We were both skinny. And now that we're, now that I'm heavy, she's still thin. Now that I'm heavy, you know, I told Pastor Bernie, he likes to give me a hard time. Can you believe that? He likes to give me a hard time. And so he, we were talking on the phone, riding up here. And I said, he said to you, well, don't you have a GPS? And I acted like I didn't know what that was. And I said, well, what's that, Pastor Bernie? He said, and then I said, we are driving in a smart car right now. 
He goes, smart car? What's that? You guys know what a smart car is? Those teeny little cars. I, I wanted to just get a little spur into him, you know, you get, get a little, get a little thorn in the saddle. He goes, a smart car? That the one that looks like a shoe? I said, that's it? He goes, how do you and Zane fit in a smart car? And my wife went, like that. I started laughing and I poked her a few times. I said, man, I said, Pastor Bernie, my wife is speechless. And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I meant you. How do you fit in that car? You you need to understand that we had a good time with it because we we were we were we were laughing, but some people are pretty sensitive about some things. I'm not sensitive. I know I'm short, fat, but I'm still handsome. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, so you need to understand that that uh, you know in life there's always a strategy. Whatever offends you will be put in your face at all times. If you can be offended, you will be offended. And most people, listen to this, most people get offended and they don't receive anything. Do you know what my wife did to me when I said, you look so good, fat? She looked over at me and she goes, why did you say I'm fat? And I went, I thought she was going to rejoice with me. I got the wrong result and I thought I said the right thing. So I learned, oh, you look so beautiful when you're showing with my baby. Oh, yeah, she thought that was exciting. And, and I thought I said it the right way, but... If you can be offended, you will be offended. And if you're offended, every time you get offended, you lose something. If you get offended by anything anybody says, anything anybody does, you lost something God was trying to get you. Offense will steal everything in your life. And people live offended. In fact, we were taught to be offended from little children. Because, you know, we had to have my uncle come bring us fruit. And bring us food, because we didn't have any food. We were taught to be, how dare them talking about how poor we are. People talk about how poor we are. How how this, how, they laugh because we're eating a commodity food. Man, I'll tell you something about that commodity food. That cheese was good. I didn't like the boned, you know, canned chicken. I didn't like the powdered eggs either. But boy, I sure like that cheese. Man, you give me a block of that cheese and I'll be on it like a little mouse. So, I mean, we grew up that way. And then people making fun of you because you were that way. And then, you know, don't take it. Don't put it up with it. And then next thing you know, we either fight or you buckle. And, uh, you know, the whole time life is teaching you to be offended about where you come from or what color you come from or what, 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 what neighborhood you're born and raised in. And then we go to school and, and uh, we're maybe not the brightest or not the, the, yeah, the brightest candle. I mean... You could see the stars, but you can't see any light, you know. You, you might not be the smartest person in your class, and then there it is again. Everything in life teaches us to be offended. And people will even justify being offended. But let me tell you about offended. Every time my wife gets offended, she, the first thing she doesn't want to do is give me a kiss. Love stops when offense enters the room. No kissing. She doesn't chase me around. She runs away from me. I don't get a kiss. If I ask her for something, do it yourself. Yeah, you know about offense. You offend your wife, you're going to go hungry. You know that. You offend your wife, you're going to go lonely, let's just say. You know that. Because when people are offended, they don't give. And the reason why is because they don't receive either. 
They don't receive and they don't give. It stops everything in your life. You can't afford to ever be offended. So whatever you do, the first message before the sermon is don't be offended by anything or anyone. Come on, somebody help me now. So, I teach in Bible college. I know I don't ever talk about it, but because Dr. Barclay has a Bible college and we don't want to mention it when you guys are there. But we have a Bible college and I teach in Bible school and I happen to be teaching a subject I really, really love. And I, I kind of love every subject, but this one's one of the nearest and dearest to my heart. Father, we thank you for your word. We worship you and we bless you. We honor you and we thank you so much that you're God in our life. And Lord, we, we practically want to know you. We want to know you in practice and the way we work our life out every day. In prayer time, in worship time, in word time, Lord, and then in living time. We thank you for it. Father, bless the people. Jesus, build your church. You said you'd build the church and the gates of hell would not prevail. I thank you today this word will go forward and it will hit in hearts that want it. And it will then be engrafted into very heart, Lord, that they can live by it. And that new things, new powerful dynamics come because they received your living word. We thank you. Your word's living and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder spirit from soul and bone from marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man's heart. And we thank you. Word of God is alive in us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. So I want to talk to you about background and foreground. It doesn't matter where you come from. It has nothing to play with where you're going. You need to understand, quit worrying about where you come from or where you came from. It isn't Christianity isn't about what you, where you came from. Christianity is about where we're going. Christianity isn't about where we come from. Christianity is about where we're going to. Everyone in here probably has a different background than all the rest of the other people. So it's not about where we come from. It's about where we're, we're going to heaven, man. We're going to the kingdom of God. We're going to walk with God. Come on, somebody. So we don't group together based on, you know, I saw, I saw a Spanish church and I saw, uh, you know, a, a, another kind of church, another church. I was a young man and I said, man, there's no such thing in heaven as a Spanish church or a this church or a Armenian church or, a, a, you know, a Greek church. And we live next door to some finest people ever. They're Greek Orthodox. And uh, they bring us over crosses and cookies all the time. They love us. They don't ever want us to move. Because they had some Buddhists in there before we, we moved in, before we got the house. So we thank God for them. But it doesn't matter. You know, we don't base ourselves on our cultures or on where we came from, what country, what color. We base ourselves on all where we're going. We're going to walk with Jesus. Somebody say amen. So... Forget about where you come from and let's think about where we are today and where we're going to go in the future. So forget the background and let's look at the foreground. You know, without a plan, you plan to fail and you need to understand God's plan. And some of us have never really understood it. If you are taking notes this morning, you could just put down authority. Everybody say authority. So Psalms 138 says he magnified his word above his name. Psalms 89.34 says, My covenant I will not alter. Hebrews 1.3 says that God upholds all things by the word of His power. Everything is being held together by His word. His word is His covenant. His covenant He will not alter. His word He exalted above His name. His word is a powerful thing. We have laws. How many of you know that right now you are living in the law? 
you might not be living in the law of the, of the Word of God, but you're definitely living under the law of gravity or your feet would not be touching the floor. There is other laws. I know that we could, uh, we could talk about the natural laws. When you get, you're driving your car up to a stop sign and you want to stop, what do you do? You put your foot on the what? Well, if it's like the car that I drove to Bible college, you don't want to do that. See, I drove a car that didn't have any brakes. I had, I had a Baja bug. You guys know what Baja bugs are? I had a Baja bug, a, you know, a Volkswagen with fiberglass fenders. One used to flop in the wind and wave when I would drive by. When I got upgraded, I got a little baby blue pinto. So I wasn't living high on the hog, put it that way. And uh, I drive up, and as soon as I go to stop sign, instead of putting the brake on, I pull up the emergency brake. Downshift to pull the emergency brake up, because when you push the brakes, to go to the floor. But I still found myself pushing my foot on the regular brake, even though I knew there wasn't any there. Because you trained yourself to believe that the brake's going to stop you. That's why you said the right thing. You said, put your foot on the brake. Do you know that that was your natural faith and experience telling you, that's how I stopped the car? That's a natural law. Gravity's a natural law. The electricity in here. If you turn the switch, the lights will go off. And what God wants you to do is turn the switch on supernatural ability. And that's understanding what he did for you in the beginning. And a lot of Christians, they never have known what they have. And until you know what you have, you can't live in it. Do you know there's a guy that went on a... Thank you, sir. There's a guy that went on a boat trip. And uh, it was back in, in the 1880s. And actually, it's closer to the 1900. And he went across, and they had first class, second class, uh, third class, and coach. And he brought himself three or four, you know, bags of crackers and, and cheese. And while everybody else that was rich and first class all the way through, they were eating, he would look in the window and he'd be eating his crackers and his cheese. When they finally finished and got there, he did that for however long the voyage was. I think it was 7 to 14 days. He lived on crackers and cheese because he didn't have any money for the, you know, go in the restaurant. And so when it, the, the day they were pulling into dock in New York, the, uh, the purser came up and said, Sir, have we offended you? Have we bothered you? Have, uh, why, why have you not wanted to come in and, and, and eat? And he, say, he said, come in and eat. He said, I couldn't afford it. He said, I, just, I stand out here in the cold eating my crackers and cheese. And he said, Sir, didn't you know that the food was part of your fare? It was included in the price. So the man went on the whole trip and never had anything to eat because he didn't know that that was part of the price that he paid to be on the boat. There's a lot of Christians today that don't understand. There's a part and a big major part of your life that belonged to you, that God purchased with his own blood, that already belonged to you. And actually, even before his blood, it was meant to be yours. God gave this earth to you. He didn't make you for the earth, but the earth was made for man's abode. It, you were not made to fill the earth and keep it. Earth was made to provide for you supernaturally. And so I want you to just look at your Bible real quick. In uh, Genesis 1, let's look all the way back at the beginning. The beginning is always a good place to start. And so in, in Genesis chapter 1, here's God's plan. This was before there was ever any sin in the earth. Verse 26, he said, chapter 1, he said, Let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness and let them have dominion. Somebody say, I have dominion. Why do you have dominion? Because you're a man and God created you to have dominion. That's why you have dominion. And so he says, let man have dominion. And, he, and then he goes ahead in succession and names all the things on the earth, you know, the birds and the sea and, 
And he goes down to verse 28 and he said, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and what? And what? And what? Put your glasses on. Subdue. Say subdue. So he says that you have to subdue. Though he gave you the promise, you have to subdue. It's up to you to subdue the earth under you. How do you do that? Well, God gave you the power to do it. If you fail to act, you fail to succeed. So you cannot be just sitting in your chairs. You have to be subduing. How do you subdue? We'll talk a little bit about that. But the first thing I just want you to recognize now is that you have authority. You have been given dominion on the earth. The birds, the bees, and all the other things, the, the, the trees do not have a dominion over you. You have dominion over the earth. The earth is meant to, to bless you and to feed you. You are not meant to care for the earth as much as the earth is meant for you. But yet God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Can you imagine? That is the first statement that God ever spoke to man. He said, I want you to subdue the earth. Have dominion. He said, I bl- everybody say, I'm blessed. God wants you to be fruitful. He just told you he did. And he told you he gave you dominion. Say, I have dominion. Say, I am fruitful. So, how many of you know any police officer? Is there a police officer here today? Is there any police officers? How many of you know a police officer? Okay, I know it seems like it, but it's not true, the fact that they do not write the laws. How many of you know that? How many of you know police officers don't write the law? What do police officers do? They enforce the law. So you didn't write the law. God wrote the law. The law is the Word. The Word of God is the law. If you read Psalms 119, it's, it's in there at least 30 or 40 times. The word, the word and the law are synonymous in God's verbiage. God uses the law. He'll call His Word the law or He'll call it the Word, but they're the same thing. God set the Word or the law into being. We know that by John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the... And the Word was with... And he said all things are made by Him and through Him. Everything was made that consists. Hebrews 1.3 says by the Word everything consists. We understand that Jesus is the living Word. Somebody say living Word. I've heard that term before, living Word. How many of you have ever heard that word before? So you need to understand that Jesus is the living Word. God gave us a word. He, he published it. And it says, great was the company that published it. But God gave us a word. He promised and told us that He gave us dominion. He told us that we, we are called to subdue the earth. We have not the law are we writing, but we are the enforcers of it. You are here to enforce the law. And if you can't enforce something you do not know, you have got to know what God's word says. There's several things about the Word of God that people don't recognize. Number one, your rights and privileges are in it. And number two, it is a uniform law of the universe. And we are put in charge. We are in custody of the Word of God. And if it's ever going to be in the earth, it's going to be because of us. That's why Jesus said, He said, when I, when I come, will I find anybody that has any faith? He's talking about working faith that is working in their life. When I come, will I find anybody exercising their authority and enforcing my law in the earth. His law is His Word that says, by His stripes, you were healed. Somebody say, I was healed. Well, if I was healed, why are you asking me to pray for you to be healed? You were healed. To enforce that, you say, I thank you, Father. 
By your stripes I was already healed. I thank you it manifests right now in my body. I take control over sickness and disease and I command it to depart. Somebody said amen. So we see all these things in the scriptures and then we pray the wrong way because we don't come from the arena of having authority. When you finally understand, do you know the gospel was preached before Jesus ever came? Did you guys know that? Turn to Galatians chapter 3. So the gospel, and what is what does the word gospel mean? Somebody say good news. So the gospel, Jesus said he preached it. And it said it was preached before. It said in Galatians 3, Therefore, know that not those that are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Abraham beforehand preached. In all, and it says, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So they that are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So what Jesus just said the gospel was, was the blessing of Abraham. Somebody say the blessing of Abraham. We There's some things we don't really understand about the blessing of Abraham. He just said that was the gospel. What he was saying, he was conferring on Abraham. He was conferring on Abraham the blessing he conferred on the original man. And through Abraham, we have the right to every bit of it. And we have the right to it. It was starting to manifest for Abraham. What was Abraham known by? What was Abraham known by? He was the father of what? Everything in God is activated with your faith. Without you having your faith, that's your part. Do you know that God's not going to come down and start anything? Let me tell you what's being taught today. Overall, universally, the church, what's being taught is just hang around. Someday it's going to all be good. It's in God's control. God's going to do you good. and Everything's going to be perfect for you. And you just hang out. It's the grace. It's the grace. And it is the grace. It really is. But it works a different way. You have to activate the grace. The Bible said grace. It says by by what are you saved? Grace are you saved, but what's it through? Is that your wife next to you? How did you talk that beautiful woman into marrying you? I, I don't know about that. So, so you received her as your wife through marriage. You're married, right? Okay, I'm really glad about that one. So you received her through through marriage. So the through is one of the most important things that people don't understand. If you don't have faith, you're saved, but it's through grace. Grace flows through faith. Faith is the pipe that grace can come through. If there's no pipe, no way, there's no through way, you can't receive it all. You need to understand everything that God does for you, He will not engineer and start. You have to start by taking what's already there. What was Jesus' last words? It is finished. Remember when he said that? You had everything you needed. You needed nothing. Everything was done for you. But you need to receive it. And the way you receive it is with your faith. You've got to understand dominion through faith. I receive. Who receives dominion and blessing through faith? So, only a couple people. Who receives dominion? All right, Jim. This whole side over here is almost backslidden. i got to talk to you over here. <laughs> who, re- who receives their dominion through faith over here? I'm right, just checking on you. All right. I knew my, I had my brother on the corner. He was with me. But the rest of all you guys, you're far behind. Hallelujah, brother. Mike, he's not Michael Jackson. Still alive. Show me the moonwalk. 
There's where you know he's not the real McCoy. I'll tell you that. I love you, brother. So we're learning that we have been given the dominion, and it comes through the blessing of Abraham. And it came before the law. It came in the law. We can see the description of it in the law when we read Deuteronomy chapter 8. When we read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 14 verses are how the Word of God and the dominion of God work out. It said, blessed shall you be when you go in. Blessed shall you be when you're there. Blessed shall you be when you come out. It said, you're above and not beneath. Somebody said above. And it says, you're the head and not the tail. Somebody say that I'm the head and not the tail. You know what? The head is where the good tasting stuff goes in and the tail is where the smelly stuff comes out. I like being the head a whole lot better than the tail. How about you? Who's the head? Well, are there any tails in here today? I didn't think so. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a tail. I won't even eat the pipe to the tail. You know what they call that? Chitlins. Do you know what chitlins are? Who knows what chitlins are? My friend tried to get me to eat some chitlins. I said, mm-mm. How come you don't want them? I said, I can smell them coming into your driveway right now, brother. And uh, I said, you better clean those things out a little bit better. Hallelujah. How many of you like chitlins? Anybody? It's all right. You like them? That's all right, girl. Because you probably got them cleaned out good. Hallelujah. Now, I'm from the South. Is anybody from the South? So... See, you know about chitlins. You know, that's what, <laughs> you eat chitlins everywhere. And you eat, you eat pork everywhere. We don't eat pork out here in California, do we? Huh? You do? I can tell you're all tuned into the food network. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, you're like my wife. So, Psalms 138. So God's, God's dominion works through His Word, His law. We're here to enforce it. Do you know the Bible says in Romans 3.27, it says, authority ends at the ends of law. And do you know the Bible called the law of faith? Somebody say the law of faith. So faith is a law higher than the other law, law, the natural law. We have to understand and have a correct mindset. I'm called to have dominion. I have dominion. When you understand you have dominion, you see my children. When they come to church, they're little kids. You know, they're bigger children now. They go right up the donut bar. They didn't need money. Their parents owned this church, bless God. I never told them that. I was so ashamed when they told me, well, your kid's been getting donuts and never paid any money for years. I said, are you kidding me? No. They come up and say, I want that cinnamon roll. I want that one right there, and I want that one right there. And they take them, and they leave. Because in their heart, their parents owned that church. And guess what? The people never made them pay because they're the pastor's kids. Do you know you're God's kids? You don't have to pay. I said, you don't have to pay. He paid the price so you didn't have to pay the price. You have dominion. If you, if you don't believe you have dominion, you're never going to go any farther than where you are right this second. You've been given dominion. Somebody say, I have dominion. We're talking about God dominion, and it comes through you exercising your authority. So Hebrews 1 3, it says, that God upholds all things by the word of his power. Romans 3.27 says that faith is a law. There are natural laws. You've got to have the correct mindset. God's law is his order. His word is his order. Do you know how you can tell you're not exercising dominion? Your garage is messy. I was going to ride in Dave's, David's car today. I saw that car. Man, this guy's got a cowboy Cadillac, brother. 
He's got a dually pickup truck that's beautiful. I mean, man, you know this man has taken dominion at least over the car dealership. Hallelujah. Because he has got himself a beautiful white ride with dual. My wife said, that's a huge truck. I said, that's exactly what you need to pull that new big boat I want to buy right there. Hallelujah. I said, man, that thing's got some pulling power. Only a man can really understand a dually truck. Hallelujah. Well, maybe women can, but not, not my wife. She goes, that's really wide. I said, yeah, you need that width. How many of you know what a dually truck is? We call that a cowboy Cadillac. Hallelujah. So you have been given dominion and God wants you to exercise it. God's law is his order. And the only way you'll ever understand order is by keeping it. Do you know the Bible says that we have to, that everywhere God is, there's order. That's why we have order here in the church. That's, you know, we have Dave helping us. He helped check us in and put us in our room and, that Pastor Bernie and, and, and uh, Pastor Janice, they came and they took us to, you know, Denny's for dinner. And uh, we went over there to Denny's and had some, some pancakes and eggs. And it was on sale for 99 cents. And that's where Pastor Bernie had. You know, Pastor Bernie, he's the pastor of the deal. Hallelujah. And uh, no, he took us to some beautiful place with wonderful food. And we enjoyed a wonderful steak. And we came. We have somebody there in our room helping us. We had... We had everything we needed in our room, plus some. We had treats and snacks, and some good, some bad, and some ugly, but we were just blessed. Everybody say we're blessed. You guys took wonderful care of us. That's an order that we keep in the house of God in our company with Dr. Barkley. We have learned to take care of people. We've learned to bless them. In fact, Brother Summerall used to have me come in just to teach that to the pastors all the time, once a year. He said, I want you to teach the pastors how to treat me because you treat me better than any pastor alive. And I said, really? He said, you don't even know what I get when I go to churches. I said, well, don't tell me because I'll be mad at the pastor. But you're in order. Somebody say, we're in order. When you submit to your pastors, you're in order. That's the order of God. You need to understand. When you submit to the word, that's order. Somebody say order. Do you know that God intended you to be on top? Turn to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at it. I want you to see that with your eyes. And then I want you to to ask yourself, how did I end up here? Not this church. This is a great church. This is a word church with a great pastor, with great pastors. And not just not just a, a family, but uh, I'm talking about a you know everybody here. You got you got some things happening. Are you guys in Romans? You know, I need you to come up here and turn my Bible for me so I can find it, because I was there three times. Chapter five, please. Verse seventeen. It says. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, that's not a demon, right? That's not a devil. That's not an unbeliever. Do you guys have your Bible there? It says, so he's talking about, it's, it, it says by one man's offense, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one. But much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Who's that? Who, who has received the abundance of grace? And the gift of righteousness. Who is that? Who is that? Raise your hand if that's you. And it says they, they will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Reigning like a king. You are not supposed to be a pauper. We're not supposed to be without. We're not supposed to be discouraged. We're not supposed to be hopeless. We're not supposed to be helpless. We're called to reign in this life by Jesus Christ. So there's the calling. You're called to that. But the only way you're going to get there is understand how it works and work the Word to get to the level God wants you to be. I started there, and, you know, 40 years ago, 
I was a, yeah, I don't know if you guys, you young folks don't remember, but there was people, uh, you know, Pastor Janice knows because she was a hippie too. She had flowers in her hair and she drove a Volkswagen bus. And I heard the whole story when we, we were eating dinner. And she kept saying, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. After a while, I wasn't sure what was true. <laughs> I knew Jesus was still Lord, though. Hallelujah. So, Pastor Bernie, he gave me a hard time. I looked at her, so I could see that. Yeah, she's probably hip. Yeah, yeah. And then and she says, I was not, and started karate chopping him. And I thought, wow, she does this. And uh, I, I had a good time. But I was a hippie. And, and there's two kinds of hippies. Does anybody remember the hippies? So there was two kinds of hippies. There was a love kind of hippie. You remember the love hippies? They had a flower in their hair. And then there was warrior hippies, angry ones. That was me. And uh, so it's two kinds of hippies. I was, the, I was in the, the, the kind of angry one, you know, mad at the world. And then there was the love hippies. So I was a hippie. I had real long hair and a big beard and... And uh, maybe my wife will show you a picture sometime. It was pretty funny. I, I laugh every time I see it. And uh, I had big holes in my pants when I got saved. You know, I got saved. I wouldn't go to church. I don't want to go to a church. That's where all those hypocrites are. How did you know that before you ever even went? How did you? Because you listen to people. You listen to the wrong people. People always have something to say about church, whether they go or not. Did you ever notice? I am a bunch of religious nuts. You know, this. I would never go to church. So I got saved in a, in a living room of my girlfriend's mom's house. And uh, I didn't know my girlfriend's mom hated me. I thought she liked me because she'd smile and tell me, how you doing? But she didn't like me. So I got saved on her carpet, you know, on the floor. I asked Jesus, God, are you real? If you're real and you reveal yourself to me, I will serve you the rest of my life. And I meant it for the first time in my life. I was trying to kill myself because I didn't want to live anymore. Just was done. I was only 20 years old. I was already done. Didn't want to live anymore. Can you imagine that? What a wreck of a life. I never, listen, the only thing I had an abundance of was girls. Anything else I was poor on that side. How girls like me with no money, I don't know, but they did. I guess the girls liked the personality, right guys? Personality. And I had been living in sin with this woman's daughter for two or three years and I kicked her out. I think since I was 17 or 18, I kicked her out. She went home to Mama in Modesto, and I went up there to get her back. I just didn't even know I kicked her out. That's a, I lived in a blur, a drug blur, drug, alcohol, whatever, just the stupidest person ever. So I said, Jesus, I was trying to get her back. Jesus, just give me my girlfriend back. I really do love her. If you're real, you know, I don't have any reason to live. And especially if I don't get her back, why, why bother? God, get get me somehow where you can fix me if you're real. But I'm not sure you're real. If you are, if you reveal yourself to me, I'll serve you. Because if you were really real, why would anybody not want to? And I don't want to serve the devil if the devil's real. In fact, if the devil's real, I don't want to serve him at all. And the next thing you know what happened to me is I hit the floor like a rock. And when I hit the floor, I just said, Jesus, forgive my sins. I knew the whole plan. I knew the whole plan. People had been trying to tell me about God my whole life. To say another word, I'm going to knock you upside the head. I don't want to hear about God. I, they'd, get, they'd get enough in me. And I'd, I'd threaten them. Then they leave. You know, people would try to keep the track to yourself. I'd say keep your little book to yourself. I might have to knock you out. And I, I mean, I was. One guy stood up at my church. He goes, 
He said, I was preaching. He says, I can, I can testify to that. I knew pastor before we, before he was saved. He said, we walk down the street. You switch to the other side of the street. He'll want to fight with you right there. And I said, now that was a little extreme. Don't tell everybody so much the next time. They're going to think I'm mean. And I'm really a nice guy. I am. And, and, and he scared everybody. Whoa. But it was true, but don't tell anybody so. So when I got saved, I hit the floor and said, Jesus, forgive my sins and, 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 and give me new life. Save me. And uh, he said this. It was amazing, man. Can you imagine this? I got beat down pants with big holes in them. I don't even wear underwear. I mean, man, and I was commando every day, had these poles in the back and the front of my pants. And, you know, people would stare at me like, what kind of a weird dude is this? He had one or two pairs of britches is all he had. And they were worn out and it looked cool anyway. So I didn't care. That's how I went to church the first time. So Jesus says these, these, these words to me. He said, I laid down my life for you. I heard him like I thought he was with me right there. I laid down my life for you. Now lay your life down for me. Take up my cross and preach my gospel to the ends of the earth. And I I said, yes, thank you. And I told the woman when she came in and says, I need to call the ambulance for you. What drugs did you take? She was sure her mother that I was overdosed because that's what I did. And I said, I didn't take any. I know you did. What did you take? I got to call the the ambulance. I said I didn't take any. I flushed them down the toilet two hours ago. She said you what? I said I flushed them all down your toilet two hours ago. Hope I didn't plug it up. Thought about that later. That was a lot. She didn't believe me. She she looked at her daughter. What did he take? What did he take? I said, ma'am. I met Jesus. She said what? She's a spirit filled Christian. Has been. Ever since she knew me. Never told me about Jesus ever. It's not my fault. I mean, I don't blame it on her because I wouldn't have listened anyway. But she said, what? I said, I said, I met Jesus in your living room floor. I don't know how I said it because she still didn't believe me again. So she asked a third time. And I said, he, he saved me. She said, what? I said, he saved me right on your living room floor. He told me so. She said, he talked to you. I said, well, I kind of, God talked to everybody. I didn't know. I didn't know God. I, she said, what did he say? I said, he told me I'm a preacher. Oh, you should have seen her face when I told her that one. She said, what? I said, he told me I'm a preacher and that I'm supposed to preach all over the world about Jesus. And she said, she said, I don't know about that. And she said, I need to sit you down. So she quickly told me, as being energized from Satan himself. She looked me right in the face and she said, Stephen, she said, there's some people on the earth too evil to be able to be saved. And I said, well, you haven't even met Pastor Bernie yet. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> I couldn't help that one, Pastor. I'm still trying to get you back. But anyway, I love you, Pastor. Anyway, no, she thought I was too evil. Pastor Bernie's a great guy. He, that was far, that was far off base, I'll tell you. Somebody slapped me down here. I love Pastor. She said, there's some people too evil. And you're, I said, are you talking to me? She said, yeah. And so now, 
been in, I think, 75 to 80 countries preaching for Jesus. It's been 40 straight years of preaching around the world. Having a church for 39 of those and being a pastor within one year after that day, I was already pastoring in a church. God can do miracles. He wants to do miracles. He doesn't even need a whole lot of time. But He needs all you got. I have a word for you. God's calling you to the next level. He wants you to to move on from where you're at. Not the church. He wants you to move on in your spiritual life. There's another level higher for you to attain. In fact, there's more beyond that. If you'll give yourself to God and you'll give yourself to the Word, you'll get to that level. But you can't let exterior things hold you back. There's things in your life that want to slow you down and keep you. It keeps you grounded to the ground. It's time for you to take off like a rocket ship, my brother. Hallelujah. So, anyway. So that's how I got started. And then God started teaching me. And I found out about, He blessed me. He gave me dominion. And then I don't have to preach out of failure. I don't have to live out of failure. I don't have to live out of hopelessness. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you're going. It doesn't matter... Your beginning, it matters your end. It's not the beginning of the race that matters. It's the end. And who comes across the line first in the end. And it's your turn. It's your time. And God has anointed and energized you to rise up from the place that you are and to go forward in His Spirit with His Word. Come on, somebody. So, you have His authority. Remember what He did? Let's turn to Matthew. Hang on, Pastor. I got so much I don't, I can't, I want to deliver it all and I, I don't think I'm going to have time. If I take my time, we'll be here till time ends. Hallelujah. Don't want me, you don't want me to take my time. I've got to hurry it up and get it in. Where'd I tell you to go? Huh? Matthew. Sheesh, I'm starting right back at the beginning again. Matthew chapter, t- chapter 9, please. Matthew 9. Look what Jesus does. Are you there in Matthew 9? He says, he said in Matthew 9, he, and, and uh, are, are, you, are you right there? He said this. Are you sure you're right there? You see the paralytic? Do you see questions about fasting? Do you see this, what he calls his, his, uh, his, his men? Matthew chapter 9, and then all the way through, he, then he gets to chapter 10, and when he called his disciples within him, or with him, I was going to go over chapter 9, but I'm not. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Did you see what he said? He gave them power. Somebody say power. power. He gave them authority. So I want to make a long story short and go to chapter 28. Because I don't have that much time and I want to take my time wisely. So it's right before he goes... Right before he, he, he lifts off, ascends in verse 19 of 28, he tells the disciples, he said, now remember, he already commissioned the disciples to take the authority he gave them and cast devils out and heal the sick. You guys remember that? And to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So the 11 disciples, and there's only 11 because one of them was uh, by default no longer there. That's Judas. He says to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Now, I want to stop there for a moment, and I, I like to teach the Word. If God told you to, to, to make all your disciples do everything you do, they'd all be playing the piano because you play the keys. 
So he told them that they were all already filled with the Holy Spirit, had power, and, and were using the power, casting out devils, healing the sick. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, 19, they said, we're excited because even the devils are subject unto us in your name. Somebody say Jesus' name. So they came back rejoicing after he sent them out, saying, even the devils are subject unto us in his name, in your name. So they'd already been doing this. And now he says, I want you to go make disciples of all men and make them and teach them do everything I gave you to do. So therefore, the, the authority was transferred right through the disciples to every disciple that's ever walked the earth, that ever was saved. Every human being that ever got born again was given the same authority, but nobody knew it. Nobody knew it the whole time. Most of the disciples today, the early church walked in power. But we forgot the power the early church walked in. Why did the power leave? Because the, the word, the word uh, disassociated the power? No. It's because people quit believing and they quit teaching and they quit living in the power. And a few people have understood what I'm teaching you today and they've gone out and blown people over and hit people with a handkerchief and made a big deal out of it when every one of us should have been doing the same thing. You have been given power. You have been given authority to heal the sick, to cast out devils, and to raise the dead. You've been given authority to preach the gospel. You've been given authority to live in the gospel ministry and to take dominion over the earth. I'm not just praying for my needs. That's good. I love that. But if I'm sitting around with ten of you and i got nine of you and me, I want to tell you what. I'm praying for my needs. I need a, I need a sandwich right now. I saw Jersey Mike's down there. Man, anybody had a Jersey Mike's? You want a good sandwich? You go down there, brother. Hallelujah. And when you go, you order double meat and think about me. Hallelujah. <laughs> you want to have a good sandwich? Go get the extra large Philly cheesesteak with double meat on there and mushrooms called the Big Kahuna and remember Dr. J. Hallelujah. That's my sandwich right there. But uh, I want to tell you something about life. You can eat whatever you want. You can live wherever you want. You can live however you want. But God, I can't pray for just my needs. I gotta pray for ten times my needs because then I can't help the other nine people that I got. I gotta pray for way more than I need. It's not about what I need. It's about what the world needs. It's about what God needs. It's about what my friends need. Man, I love to help people. Don't you love to give? So don't pray for just your needs. That's, that's just for you. But pray, God, give me a hundred times my needs. You want to know why the dead sea's dead? Because there's an inlet coming in and no outlet. Without an outlet, and without giving and without helping other people, you'll never be who God wants you to be. Did you notice that everything God gave them was for other people? He said, go into the world and preach to every creature. He said, make disciples of all men. That's for other people. That's not for you. He said, you're doing it to service and to bless other people. He said, go into all the world. And he said, to preach the gospel. He said, make disciples of all men. He said, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. For this is your ministry. This is what I give to you. He gave that to all men, every human. And by the way, if God didn't want to use women, why did he save them, number one? And number two, why did he bother giving them the Holy Spirit? Why would he even bother? Why are you going to waste this Holy Spirit on somebody that's not going to even be effective? Nope. God uses women the same way he uses men. I know some of you men don't like it, but you know one time a man, a man of wisdom told me, he said, he said, I want to tell you if they call you dumb, don't believe it. He said, if they call you dumb twice, don't, don't receive it. But, but he, or he said, donkey. He said, they call you donkey once, don't take it personal, don't believe it. They call you donkey twice, don't believe it. But he said, if they call you donkey three times, buy a saddle. 
you know how people told you things all your life and you didn't want to believe it? Well, you might need to buy a saddle. Hallelujah. It's time for us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus and to live with authority. Somebody say, I live in authority. I live with authority. So here he gave it to, he gave it to men. He gave it to men. He said, Psalms 138, I'll never know my covenant. Uh, my words exalted above my name. Well, 89.34, he said, I'll never know my covenant. Hebrews 1.3 said, everything works by my word. It'll always continue to work by my word. And then he said, he gave us authority. authority. Authority, the word authority means executive power to enforce. Executive power to enforce. Somebody say executive power. He gave you executive power to enforce what he planned for you and for the others. He planned for the other's life. That's why we raised him from the dead. He planned for others complete health and healing. Remember what he said, beloved, I wish above all you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. You need to understand there's a war going on in your life right now. The enemy is trying to steal and God's trying to add. God's trying to bless. The enemy is trying to take. The enemy is trying to curse while God's trying to bless. But I want to tell you, you understand that it's God blessing you and that it's the enemy trying to curse you. You'll tell the enemy where to go. You get them out of your life. You take authority. Remember what the Word of God says? It says, I will build my church and the what? I have that right out there on the... You do. That's my verse. You stole my verse. That's my favorite verse. It's all right. I'll let you use it. Hallelujah. He said, I'll build my church. The Word is like ecclesia, those called out. I'll build my ecclesia, the ones called out, the ones that are different from the world. I'll build them. I'll build them. And then, but, but just before that, he said, who do men say I am, Peter? And he said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're a teacher. And, P- and he said, Peter, who do you say? It's not who the other guy on the other side of you, left or right, thinks Jesus is. It's who you think he is. He said, what do you say, Peter? Who am I? And he said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And so Jesus looks right at him and he said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He gave Peter the biggest gold star that anybody had gotten in the ministry so far. He said, Peter, you got a revelation from the father. And then he said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What he said is, I will build my church on revelation. And on the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But let's stop there. He builds His church on revelation. Somebody say revelation. An exposed, revealed word. We call it a rhema word. Somebody say rhema word. You need to get a rhema, an exposed, revealed word of God's authority and His dominion that He placed in your life and that you are called by God to reign. That doesn't mean you're manifesting the reign yet, but it means you're starting to. And you're not going to accept anything except God's very best. Somebody say that. Not going to accept anything but God's very best. Say that. See, when you speak the word, you're claiming it for yourself. You're not just letting it float in here free. You're reaching up into space and grabbing that word and making it yours. The Bible says you will have whatever you say. Did you hear me? You'll have, didn't it say that right up there? Yeah, have whatever we say. Do you know the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 31, it says, do not worry and speak your worry. Do not worry saying. Why? Because it negates God's power, His dominion, His authority. So you are sent as an enforcer. Have you ever seen a policeman that didn't enforce the law? Have you guys ever seen him at the donut shop when you go speeding by 100 miles an hour? 
Do you ever see them there? Somebody's going to, somebody's trying to shoot somebody and they don't do anything. I, I've never seen that, but I, that has happened. Policemen are made to enforce the law. We're, we're made to enforce God's word. We enforce it first in our own life. By his stripes, I was healed. Say, say you were healed. Say, say I am healed. And you are blessed. You have the blessing of Abraham. So it, it, the, turn to Luke chapter 10. So not only did he give it to the, to the 10 or to the 12, but in chapter 10 of Luke, he gave it to 70 others also. After these things, he appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face in the city. And then he said, verse 7, he said, he said, uh, heal the sick in, in uh, verse 9. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. In verse uh, 19, they, they responded. They, they came back and said, uh, and well, Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt them. But they were rejoicing. They came back and said, Lord, verse 17, even the, even the demons are subject unto us in your name. See, they were subjugating earth and hell underneath them. Jesus, I know you'll get this one because you're word warriors. Who's a word warrior in here? Who loves the word of God? I've given you 15 messages all on the same thing already. You're word warriors. Listen to this. He gave, he gave this authority and dominion to all of us in the beginning. Jesus, Jesus was sent. He said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. Why? To exercise the authority I have, the dominion I have. For he's called me to preach the gospel to the poor, called me to open prison doors, called me to, to bring the recovering of sight to the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which means that it's now at this second. So Jesus, Jesus said, we're back. He said, we're back. The blessing's back. The blessing was there in the garden. The blessing was not used after the garden because of sin. Jesus restored. But the blessing was given to Abraham. God had to start with somebody. We received it through Abraham and in Jesus. Somebody say through Abraham. He preached the gospel to Abraham. Now, so the 70 were, were sent out. These are 70 others. Say 70 others. This mirrors what God did with Moses. He told him to choose elders. So Moses chose 70 elders. So that's why God did it to seven. He mirrored what was done in the old covenant in the new covenant, and he sent them out to do the same. And then he gave it to all of us to manifest in our life when he told the disciples to go make disciples of all men. Every one of us should be praying for the sick. The Bible said that. It said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it said, Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You remember that? He said, These signs will follow them that believe. How many of you are believers in here? That means these signs are supposed to follow you. They're actually the enforcing of your authority and God's word here in the earth that you're called to do. You're called to enforce. You're called to manifest God's power. And you're called to live in God's power for yourself and to bring it to other people. I want to tell you something. I'm the only one in my family that is really living for God. My four sisters, and, and uh, they come at my house. They see my cars. They eat my food. I feed them for Thanksgiving and Easter and whenever they'll come over because they're still doing the same things they did when I was a young man. They're still doing drugs. They're still getting partied out. And, I mean, it's sad. It breaks my heart. I love them. I told them, told them about Jesus and all of them received him at one time or another, every one of them. But they're not serving him, living for him, walking. And so they call me lucky. They, they see my house. My backyard, man, I can see the ocean for about seven miles from my backyard. I don't have a wood fence. I have a glass fence. And my glass fence, you just sit there and look. Look at that. You see the waves crashing.
But it's, you know, a mile or so from the water, but it's up on a big hill. I like hills. And I said, look, they come visit me and say, you're so lucky. I said, it's not luck. It has not a thing to do with luck. It has everything to do with serving God. And it's the difference between serving Him and, and knowing what to do and, and people that are not. And I hope they're saved. They go to heaven. Do you know, there's a lot of people that are saved that will go to heaven that will have nothing down here on earth till they go except salvation itself. I don't want to be that person. How about you? I said, I don't want to be the person that has nothing. I mean, I want to have be saved, and I want to have something, too. I'd like to have a nice home and food. And, and uh, you know, you guys ever go to any shows? Who's been to a show in Las Vegas? Anybody? Don't be scared to put your hand. I don't know what kind of show you went to. but <laughs> I've never been to one. I have never been to a show in Las Vegas. and had a church there for years, several hundred people. And I've been there t- t- countless times preaching and ministering. I've never been to a show yet, but I'm going to go to one tonight. I'm going to go to Circus Soleil. Have you ever heard of that? My wife, first thing my wife says, I said, I'm bringing you a show. She goes, what? What? You don't lie to me. I said, I'm not. I, I just was led of the Spirit. I want to bless my wife. She Go to a show tonight. I mean, is that all right with you guys? But you know what? They hit me $200 a ticket. Did you know that circus cost? Last time I went to a circus, it was like $1.50. It's a circus. Circus Soleil. I said, 200 bucks a ticket? But I paid for it anyway. Who cares, huh? Money's just to spend it, right? So I'm going to go to the show. Man, I was stood on top of the Eiffel Tower. I looked down. My wife wouldn't even look down. I've been over there, that Eiffel Tower, three times, and I've been in France probably ten. And I've been all over the world. My sister's never been out of Southern California. I've been living in a gorgeous home I've had on and off four or five Mercedes Benz, Lexuses, every kind of car I want to drive, and I'm rolling a Cadillac right now. Hallelujah. I'm rolling a Cadillac, a black one, and I'm not even a rapper. <laughs> you can drive what you want, you can live the way you want, but you gotta it takes it might take you a while to get there, but you gotta start somewhere. Somebody say somewhere. I mean, my, and the reason I'm sharing that with you is because my sister don't have any of it. And, and it's nothing. I could have much more than I have today. I could have so much more than I have. But I don't care about stuff. I don't want stuff. I want God. Do you want God? You know what I love? I love being in the top of the Andes Mountains on my first Thanksgiving being married. And we were up there. And we were preaching. They brought this man up. I was preaching on healing and authority, just like I'm preaching right now. And they brought this man up. It was a dirt floor church with bamboo stick in the ground in the mud because it's wet mud. And then they let it, they paste mud all over the wall, the bamboo walls and they paint it. That's the church, man. It's got a gate, bamboo gate at the back. The benches were only that high off the ground. I couldn't even sit down because I would have busted those benches. And we, I was preaching. They brought up a man and they put him down. In a wheelbarrow, rusty wheelbarrow. You remember those wheelbarrows with the metal wheel in the front? 
Remember that? You probably could find them around here somewhere. They brought a guy. He lived in that barrel. They wheeled him around. That's the only way he could get around anywhere. Somebody had to wheel him everywhere. I said, what's the matter with him? Well, he had, his spine was severed when he was a young man riding a motorcycle. He got in a motorcycle wreck. And uh, the, the town we're in is called Cajamarca, Peru. It's in the very top of the Andes Mountains. And there's, there's no paved roads there. Only the road that comes in and stops right before you get there is paved. All the roads are dirt roads. And there are these little people about that tall, little Inca people. And they're, they're mostly alcoholic people. And I'm preaching in probably one of the only churches in this little village. And there's a bar across the street. And it, there's like two or three hundred people in the bar, but about eight people in the church. And uh, a little, that might be a little wrong, but there's probably about 25 people in our church. And there was at least 300 across the street. They came out of the church drunk, out of the church drunk. They came out of the bar drunk. <laughs> That happens too, I guess. I don't, not at our church, but they are looking at like, speaking in this Inca language, you know, mocking me while I was preaching. Yeah, and they're like, you're like, this guy's not even preaching the truth. And I said, God's going to heal people. And then they wheeled that guy up there. I said, what are you trying to do? Make me look bad? I first thought I had, you trying to make me look bad? You got the worst, sickest person that's ever been known to the history of man. This guy's got a cut spine in heaven. And you, and you expect God to heal. Well, you just got done telling us he does, preacher. So you better do something about this. So I was, I, you know, when you're, you got a brain. Well, the thought went through my brain. So I reject that thought. In Jesus' name, this man's getting healed. Hallelujah. So anyway, I kept preaching. God got a hold of me and I just kicked. Hallelujah. I got to pray for him now. So I jumped up behind the pulpit and ran over there and grabbed him by the hand. He was weighed, this guy weighed under 40 pounds. It was like 35 pounds. He was like a bag of bones covered by a sack of skin. He had no meat. He was horrible looking. He was in an embryonic, like curled up in a ball. And I ran down there, grabbed him by the hand, and shook him like a towel. Why did I do that? If I would have thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. I didn't think about it. I just knew. I shook him once or twice. I don't know how many. And the guy, his legs and arms went straight. And then he went running around the church like this, like a stick. And everybody started shouting. I mean, screaming and shouting. They knew that guy from the time he was a teenager. He had been living in that wheelbarrow all his life. And God just delivered him right there in front of all of those. We had us a bona fide revival. Somebody say bona fide. The bar emptied out. People lined up to get saved. And we had about... Two or three hundred people saved in the next hour. And I mean, man, we couldn't pray for them all, so we just started waving our arms. We saw Benny Hinn do that. It worked for us, too. So we, be healed, be healed. <laughs> they just go down. My friend looked over at me. He's a missionary. He goes, is this real? He did. He actually said, is this real? And he said, are we in a dream? He said, I've never been in a service like this. I said, don't worry. Neither have I, but I'm going to have some more. <laughs> I mean, God started working. God started. We've had services like that all over the world. And I want to tell you something. We had services like that in our church. I thought that was just church. Then I found out, no, that's not church. That's a revival. And so we, we started a church and it grew up to 2,000 people in three or four years. And if we would have wanted to, we could have pasted all the, all the stuff on all the walls. Wheelchairs, people that are fully crippled, crutches, braces, everything. But we didn't even think about that because we didn't know any better. And then 
we quit preaching it and just, you know, preach, preach other things. And, and I want to tell you, God, every, every time I preach, I preach on the authority of the believer one way or another. I want to tell you something. You have the same authority. It's not because it's Benny Hinn. In fact, we know the Hinn family. We're, we're friends with them. We know the Summerall's. We, we know, we know most of these people. We know the Hagans. We, we, we know most of these people. They're, they already understand what I'm teaching you. And they've taught it over the years. But it's not a popular teaching today because it puts people on the spot. It puts, it puts you on the spot. Everybody wants the automatic gospel today. They want it just, it's just going to happen. I don't need to do anything. There are people that are sitting around doing nothing and there are, there are desert, high desert word center that are actively putting the word of God to work in their life. And they're finding out what belongs to them and they're claiming it for themselves. If you don't find out that God, God promised you success, he, he, he desires. He said in Psalms 35, he desires, he loves making his people prosper. But he doesn't, you know, the churches took, did too much about prosperity and not enough about salvation. We need to get people saved. Somebody say saved. saved. We need to get people healed. Somebody say healed. healed. But it doesn't change the fact that God wants you to succeed. How many of you believe in prosperity? How many of you want it for yourself? How many of you really believe in prosperity? You know what prosperity means, don't you? It means success. It means that woman right there, my wife, by the way, she chased me down and asked me to marry her, and I said yes. She's a go-getter, man. I had, I had a church of over 200 single women, and they were all my age. And they were all, most of them anyway, real pretty. And I didn't say all of them, most of them. And they all thought they were going to marry me. No, they weren't. I didn't like one of them. I did not like a one. I was being set up. With this girl on the, what's the name of the show? The Facts of Life. Her name's Blair on the show. Did you get anybody ever watch it? She was in mad love with me. She was buying my tapes. Her pastor called me to try to set us up on dates and all this stuff, you know. And she says she wanted to marry a man of God. And she's got your tapes. And she thinks you're cute. And she gets pictures of you all the time. And I just thought, this is crazy. She's a movie star. What she want with me? I was a drug addict. She just got saved three years ago, and she likes me for real. I said, "Nah." I said, "I'll pass on that date." Why? Yeah. I said, "If God can't get me to meet her, I don't need to meet her." And and you know what? I don't need your help. We got the Holy Spirit. We got the what? You're crazy. Any guy would marry that guy. "Ah." And then this lady here in the front row, she chased me down. She was my secretary. Okay, out in my office, I would never have her that close to me in my office. She was out in the front office, and she was a volunteer. So I walked out there one day. You, you'd hate having to work for me because, because I have a prophetic mantle, and God reveals stuff to me. So when you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to, I'll walk right in your office every single time. What are you doing playing a video game? Uh, well, Pastor, you know, we kind of all do that over here. I catch people all the time. I try not to. It just happens. And I walked up to her and I said, Miss Alcus? She said, yes, Pastor. I said, you can't work here anymore. What? She said, I'm just a volunteer. I said, I know, but you can't work here anymore. She says, why not? True story, isn't it, Mrs. I said, because you're in love with me. I can't have a woman in my office that's in love with me. And she looked at me, she looked at me like her face turned 12 shades of purple. 
said, it's okay. So the next week I asked her for a date. <laughs> Fired her, then got a date. How about that? <laughs> I thought, man. I said, uh, you know why? Let me tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. God told me to marry her. And I said, you, I can't do that. He says, why? I said, she's a rebel. She is a little rebel, man. She, you tell her what to do one time. I told God, I said, do you remember when I, I caught her teaching a Bible study and I told her not to? She's no Bible teacher. She needs to learn the Bible for herself. And she's out there trying to teach everybody. She had her own little private Bible study. No, go in my church. Uh-uh. Especially when you're going to lead them astray. But anyway, I told her not to do it. And then this guy comes up. Three weeks later, says, man, that's Zane. She's a good Bible teacher. I said, she is, huh? He said, oh, yes, she is. He goes, I was just at her Bible school yesterday, at her Bible study yesterday. Man, she really taught good. I said, okay, thank you very much, sir. So when I saw her come walking up to church, I said, Miss Alcus, can I talk to you for a moment? Yes, pastor. I said, why are you still teaching the Bible study? I told you to stop. She said, I'm not. So she lied. She said, I'm not. (laughs) And she says, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. I just got wind of it from somebody that attended. She goes, who? And I said, Bruce. She goes, that Bruce can't keep his mouth shut. And I said, yes, you were. She, and she, and so I busted her cold. She looks at me, so she's got no more excuses to give. So she did her little clipping her heels together while she said, hogwash, and stomped off. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. Oh, man, what a little stinking rebel, man. I said, so Dr. Hicks pulls me aside. Dr. Hicks attended my church for, I don't know, 15 years. We did his helps ministries. He loved me. I got his, I got his son serving God. And he, you know, he just became, we called him dad and called Mrs. Mom. And uh, they moved, they retired from the Foursquare and moved down by our church. He kept his attendance, his uh, membership over at the Foursquare church. But he came to our church to tell us all the time, this is my church. And he, pre- he preached over 300 times at my church. And uh, he told me, he said, you know you need to marry that little girl. I said, which one? He said, that one that almost jumps out of her skirt when they worship. I said, are you kidding me? He said, she's jumping so high, she's going to jump out of her skirt. He told me to tell her to calm down, keep her down. I said, what do you mean? He said, she's going to jump out of that skirt days, and we're all going to be embarrassed. Because she would go, whoo, and she'd fly up in the air. She could get some air, man. I can't even get an inch off the ground. She'd get up there, you know, a couple feet. Whoo, and so loud, ear penetrating. And I mean the loudest, wildest little girl, way younger than me. And I said, Doc, have you been eating too much pizza? He said, no. He said, God spoke to me. You're supposed to marry her. And I said, well, you need to tell him to speak to me. Because he didn't speak that to me at all. And I rolled off the couch. The only thing I was scared of wasn't, wasn't her as a, as a human. or But she was a rebel, man. I don't want to be married to a rebel. This little rebel girl. Remember that song, Billy Idol? With a rebel yell, yeah, more, more, more. Remember that? That was my wife and woman right there. And so I rolled off the couch one night, and I hit the floor. And as I did, I, I said, I'll marry your God. I'll just, I'll just submit to you. So I asked her for a date. And that was probably about a week after I fired her. And, uh, and when I asked her for a date, she said yes. So on the, I went and picked her up in a limousine with two dozen big red roses. 
And on the way to dinner, I asked her to be my wife. Never had a date. Got married 90 days later. That was 31 years ago. We're still married. That's called success, prosperity. That's prosperity in your marriage. That's prosperity with your children. They, they grow up serving God. It's, it's not just prosperity in your money. Every time you say that word, people hear money. Money's, money, yeah, God wants to bless you with money, but there's things that are much more important in life. And uh, like I got my first little grandbaby, and Pastor Bernie's got me by 13 already. He thought he had me by 14, but his wife had to straighten him right out and say, Oh, no, you've only got 14 grandkids. How could you have 15, Bernie? Are we got one we don't know yet? Well, you probably got a couple more on the way. That's right. You don't know them yet. So you have authority. You have faith. You have the Word. All you need now is some activity on your part. How do you start? I take, I take the first thing I'd start as I'd say, I'd grab the verse that by His stripes I was healed. I grab that's mine. I take that. I, I, I grab the verse that God wishes above all that I prosper and be in good health even as my soul prosper. I take that. He starts with renewing your mind. He's got to get the word in. James chapter 121 says that it becomes engrafted into your spirit and you start living by it. So he's got to get the word in. Once he gets the word in, you've got to add feet to your faith and you've got to start acting on the word God gives you. You've got to hear God. You've got to spend time in prayer. If you don't work up a sweat in prayer, you're not praying yet. If you don't work up a sweat and worship, you're not worshiping yet. You need to get back to worship and back to praying and back to praise and back to, and back to living in the shadow of the Almighty. Somebody say under the wings. You've got to get back in His presence. You get in His presence, stay in His presence, get in His Word, stay in His Word, get in His anointing, stay in His anointing, and then stand up for who you are. You've got dominion. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed going in. You're blessed while you're there. And you're blessed coming out. You're blessed in your basket. You're blessed in your store. God's working for you on your behalf. But you have to work for yourself by putting His Word to work. And if you don't read your Bible every day, and you don't study your Bible every day, and you don't pray every day, and you don't seek God every day, you are you are handicapping yourself. Don't wait for Pat. He'll do it for you, and then He'll preach it to you. Pastor Bernie will. So will the other, Pastor Dave and everybody else. But And Pastor Janice, they'll all do that for you. But you need to do it for yourself. You need to get in the Word for yourself, and you need to get the Word. You get in the Word, and the Word gets in you. You study the Word, the Word studies you and tells you where you need to be fixed. Every one of us here needs to be fixed, including me. It's a constant adjust and repair. That's the word endure. It's hupomonia, Greek word, and, uh, to adjust and repair. Will you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.